Welcome to the Ether. Today is Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. Today on the Ether, Angel Protocol presents Black Leadership with Teachers Like Me, featuring Trinity Davis. Let's take a listen. Thanks for thanks for holding on, on the line with us, Dr. Trinity. Um, I think we can get started. Okay, sounds good. Awesome. Um, so I, I just have a, a little bit of a, a preamble, but then then we'll we'll get into it. Um, but wanted to welcome everyone to part three of our Black History Month Twitter Spaces. Um, we're spotlighting four exceptional organizations on Angel Giving's platform, all focusing on empowering Black communities through their unique vantage point across education, entrepreneurship, and advocacy. Please head to blackhistorymonth.angelgiving.io to learn more and donate. All four nonprofits also have active endowments within Angel Giving Marketplace. A little bit about Angel Giving before we, we get to the discussion today. Angel Giving allows nonprofits a no-code, cost-free solution to accept donations from a variety of major native cryptocurrencies, actively deploy funds across a variety of DeFi yield platforms, and engage with donors in new and novel ways, transparently and on-chain. In addition, we are rolling out a donation widget, meaning your donors can do this all straight from your nonprofit's homepage. If you're a nonprofit and this sounds interesting to you, you can register on app.angelgiving.io, be onboarded in a matter of minutes, and get a $100 sign-up bonus. With Angel, raise funds today, grow them forever. All right. Thank you for that. Now back to the topic at hand. Um, today, we're really pleased to be joined by Dr. Trinity Davis, who's president and founder of Teachers Like Me. Last time time we spoke, Dr. Trinity, we centered the discussion around your journey to found this organization, motivations, and, and some of the programmatic work. I think today we really want to focus the discussion around leadership. Um, we have a wonderful set of nine questions that were prepared by another nonprofit uh, led by Larisha that we'd love to walk through with you today. Um, so to get things started, if you don't mind, maybe just a little icebreaker, um, start with name, organization, and three words to describe your leadership style. Okay, I would um, love to say, so my name is Trinity Davis, and the nonprofit is Teachers Like Me. And I would describe my leadership style in um, three words of empathetic um, and firm and uh, yet friendly and uh, compassionate in the things that I do. I love that. I love that. And it's it's cool to see. So we, we went through this discussion with Arisha and I think a lot of commonalities in like empathetic and compassionate, but also the the firm. I, I I love that. I think that that's a great balance of of leadership, and and really excited to kind of dig into those nuances a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, so the the 
second question here um, is, do you think leadership is, or I'm sorry, can you tell us your definition of leadership and especially what that means as a black leader? So I feel like leadership is to, um, basically we work to grow the people that um, work in the organization and support us. And so I, you know, for me personally, I'm a person who likes to be more in the background. I love these kind of, of things and to, to handle some of the big picture work, but I really want to develop people who can eventually take over uh, and become the leader for the organization, you know? And so I think that's important for a leader to be able to understand is that it's not all about you. It's about everyone that works in this space. And so I think that's a really important piece for me about a leader is to grow the people that you support. Mm. I love as that. A, and as I, a I think black that... leader, though, I would say that's even more important. Um, you're giving them a space, you're giving people a space to grow that um, you were fortunate enough to have, and it's a give back feature. Mm. Mm. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, I think that that's so well said and, and talking about like continuity and not only planning like for, for you, but also for, for everyone that is next in line and, and providing that skill set and that leadership and that mentorship to continue on the mission. Um, it's a wonderful answer. Um, question number two, do you think leadership is limited to a person's socioeconomic status? You know, um, just from the experience as a leader and from working with other leaders, I, I say, oh, no. <laughs> I say, oh, no, for <laughs> so many reasons, but so many reasons that the fact that um, leaders come from some of the things, you come from what you've been through. Um, and so when you've come from even a high socioeconomic status, I've seen people come through through those barriers, but really people that come from that uh, lower economic group that it just requires you to strive harder, to work harder. And I see that in teachers like me every day. And so, no, it has, there's no, I just feel like there's no, um, you know, limits for what you can do based on socioeconomics. There's a lot of data that supports socioeconomics, but I've seen people drive through those and, you know, move through those at a quicker rate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I like that. Come, come from what you've been through, I think is a, a really nice sound bite there. Um, yeah. And it's not limited to, to any socioeconomic status, right? And it's just a matter of perseverance. Um, Wonderful. Question number three is, have the challenges faced by Black leaders changed over time? And how can we improve the leadership ecosystem? Um, so, no. So I will say, um, you know, I've worked, I, I've worked in the educational system for a very long time. And I feel like um, I've been able to see challenges that uh, my grandmother, who was born in the 1920s, has told me, you've had more challenges than me. And I think the reason um, for that comment is because working in today's world, it, it's a, it looks different than it did for her. So I, I feel like things are getting um, to a point of conversation, but it's through trauma that we start some of those conversations, you know? And so I think that mm -hmm. as we look further, I feel um, 
you know, we're starting to have more of the conversations, even like our conversation today. Um, but I think it needs to be ongoing. Um, we we were just recently featured on the, the news about teachers like me. And, um, you know, I had a lot of people who who said, I'd like to volunteer for this organization. How can I contribute? How can I be part? How can I be a teacher in this organization? But I also had people who said, this is divisive. If you're working for black teachers, why aren't you working for white teachers? So you still have to answer a lot of the same questions. Yeah. And thank you for that, that the nuanced answer. It's like the underlying biases and challenges are still there. Maybe they've just taken a different shape in like how society operates today is is, is what I'm I'm hearing with that one. But um, I would I would also say though, I think that the conversation is more progressive as far as um you went to the website to say what you thought so we can start that conversation mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. i think you know in some ways you know and um you know she felt like i feel like this is saying white teachers don't care white teachers don't matter that's not what i'm saying at all and so maybe yeah. we need to clarify some of that but then again how much do you entertain that when you get so many positive pieces about thank you for doing this from people mm-hmm. of all from all backgrounds. So I just think that, you know, you have to look at it, but also uh, I think the program is also here and we are also here to educate, but there's just a level of how much of that do we balance out. Yeah. As black Yeah, people. I, I can Yeah. Yeah, I can I can definitely empathize um with that and and maybe just as an aside like to that point it, it can be challenging i was i was actually just reading an article on like diversity equity and inclusion initiatives and i've being part of one and myself with myself at a previous organization it was talking about the burnout that black leaders face being that type of worker and it's really coming from like the gatekeepers of white led organizations and just that that education that hurdle that the di di consultants have to go through like every single time is just such a source of, of frustration and it's a barrier to actually getting to the actual work that needs to be done um, I, I will tell you a good part of that is i can decide whether to engage you or not hmm. you know and so um because that this has you know engaging you doesn't have anything to do with the the work that we're putting forward that we know is beneficial and that many people know it's been you know so i can make those decisions and i think that's important and that's a good thing about being in leadership as a black person Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah thank you thank you um question number four um can someone still be considered a leader even if they aren't well known Oh, yeah, because that goes back to um, my type of leadership, which was very rare. So I, I, you know, I think uh, when I do a story or I want to feature an organization, I don't want to be the feature of that. I, I want the work to show. So it's not, again, going back to that first comment, it's, it's not about me. It's about it's not about me, everyone knowing me. It's about everyone knowing teachers like me. Everyone knowing that there's an organization out there that's dedicated to bringing diversity to the workforce in the education field. You know, you don't you don't have to know I'm the one behind it. You don't have to know my face. You need to know the teachers' faces. 
So mm -hmm. it's not, so when I go out and one of my goals in the organization is growing the program awareness, it's not awareness of me, it's awareness of them. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where, that's really important for me in this space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for that. that. I think that's that's a wonderful answer because it, it talks to like the multifaceted nature of leadership and like what some might assume as like, the person as the leader it's more of you are bringing a message and you don't have any injury like you're not driven by by that kind of individual egoness it's it's to support and to create this organization that brings diversity into the workforce right and that is the exactly. end goal that's the awesome. end goal of all of that and i i think even more uh it's nonprofit work meaning if i you know god forbid he get hit by a car you know today or, you know, I need, I, we all want to see as a community, a organization like teachers like me live on. So if it's about mm. me, it will stop with me. And so if it's about the community, it's about students, it's about teachers and school districts, it'll live on a lot longer. So that's what excites me even more about the organization. Mm. Yeah, that's wonderful. And that does tie like so well to the, to your first answer in terms of like that continuity and, and like, this is not for me, this is, you know, for the future and for that legacy. Um, wonderful. Um, awesome. So we are, we are cruising through the list, um, right halfway through. I just wanted to take a, a quick pause again and say that this is uh, a crowdfunding campaign on Angel Giving's platform. So if you are listening to this, um, and interested in donating, please go to blackhistorymonth.angelgiving.io and you'll be able to see the four organizations that we're spotlighting uh, and donate in any major native cryptocurrency and receive an automated tax donation for or tax receipt for that donation. Awesome. Thank, thanks again, uh, Dr. Trinity. So we're now on to question five. How does black leadership contribute to promoting equity and justice for everyone? Well, I think um, when you're looking at any system, and one of the things that is it, that's really been important uh, in this journey is because I've always worked in the educational sector, but now being able to work as a nonprofit leader, I'm in spaces with all kinds of nonprofit leaders. So I'm working with architects, I'm working with um, construction managers, I'm working with medical professionals, and I, you know all of these people. And what I'm realizing is just like we have teachers like me, we need nurses like me. We need doctors like me. We need architects like me. We need engineers like me. You know, this is so important for the space because um, what I'm learning is what some of these other nonprofit leaders are learning in the space as well is that um, if, if um, we just assume, make a lot of assumptions that people will come or people want to go into the profession, it, it sometimes takes for kids, for adults, I'm seeing adults to see themselves in other adults. And I think people take, they, they really discredit what it takes for seeing someone who looks like you and something you can see yourself doing in the future. So I, I, I think people really don't take into account how important that is. And so when your doctor is black as a child, you can see that, oh, I'm gonna be like Dr. Such and such. 
when, you know, the police officer in our neighborhood is black, I'm going to be like, you know, so when you see those things, um, it, it does resonate and it, it hits the kid, it hits the adult a lot, um, more internal and more, it, it, it makes an impression a lot easier. So I just think that black leadership is so important across all fields. There has to be that person that can mentor you. Um, you know, there's conversations that I have with my teachers that um, I believe when I was working in a school system where I had teachers of every group, I could say, and they, they got it a lot quicker. I think just there's some of those unspoken rules and things that hit a lot easier for the teachers that I'm impacting right now and teachers like me that it's more about the importance of you getting out there to be able to do the actions a lot quicker. You know, like kids can't, kids don't have time to wait. So I need to not beat around the bush and make this so simplistic or I need to make this as simplistic as I can for you to get out there and do the work. Um, I think culturally those things come to play. I think um, just like I said, in, in a lot of ways, I just think that, um, we come together and people seeing leadership makes people say, I can do that. Um, I, you know, the research says that black leadership is impactful to all groups. So I just think we need to think as a, instead of in like silos, think of this as a bigger picture for what we want to do to diversify every profession. Mm. Yeah, I, I love that. that. That last point, especially in terms of not viewing this in silos and viewing this as, you know, how important representation is. The data is there in terms of diversity in all sorts of workplaces and all sorts of fields and how that just creates a better environment and better results for everyone. Um, so that makes that makes so much sense. And thank you for sharing that. And I think that is a, a nice transition to question number six, which is a little bit more personal, I would say. Um, but you did mention in terms of black leadership and, and how that applied to teachers like me and, and how you view that organization as part of something that is a piece of a whole puzzle. And question number six is, as a black leader, do you ever feel like each decision you make reflects the entire black community? And how do you deal with that type of pressure? That's a really good question. Um, I feel like um, I, I've learned a long time ago, um, this is my 25th year in the profession, to not put so much of that on my shoulders or I'll crumble before it's in, it's in place. So you, you got to take, um, you know, I think that's one thing that can happen is uh, as a professor, I was the only black woman in that position at a whole university. I can't take that role on for everyone and, and be the speaker of everyone. But I try, you know, I mean, it's like, it's a, it's your immediate response. Um, so I feel it's important to uh, do as much as you can, but understand your boundaries because um, there's, there's a, I'm a woman, I'm a black person i'm a mother i'm a wife i'm a, you know what i'm saying so you have to really balance all of those uh responsibilities out um but i do say as a leader i do a lot to make sure that 
Um, I make an impact. And the best way to do it is, you know, you have Larisha who's been on here. We've had Cornell who's been on here. You know, as we talk to different groups, how do we come together to lighten the load? And and so Cornell and I have done that a lot. Um, if we're talking about what does black education look like in the in Kansas City, how can we come together to work through that? Not one person, but how do we bring in other organizations to help figure what that looks like and how we can continue this message and a vision that we really work toward for the next 20 or 30 years to make Kansas City education better for black students. So it's about bringing us all together. Um, it's about creating what we call a coalition of people who all fight for the same things. And then I think um, it's a lot easier to take it on. So, you know, with support and with everyone else in the picture, and we've um, I think done a great job of that in Kansas City, just in the beginning of of my work in nonprofit. Yeah, that's wonderful, and thank you. That was that was such a thorough answer. And I think just to like recap some of that, I think you said you mentioned like understanding boundaries, which maybe goes back to like one of the first or second questions that we were talking about in terms of how have challenges face change for black leaders over time. Um, and just like understanding like where that line is of if you engage in conversations or do not engage in conversations. And you talked about how um, your identity personally, right? And how those responsibilities are split and how you can continue to like maintain and nourish every element of that identity. And then I think you, you're doubled down on like the breaking down of silos, right? And, and the power of a collective vision and collaboration and it is really exciting to see like what you and, and Cornell at, at, at Block are, are doing together in tandem in Kansas City with like a real tangible impact. And I, I just think that's that's so cool to see from from our angle of these two nonprofits who just happen to join our platform, like now collaborating in a really, really meaningful way. Um, mm -hmm. So thank you for that. Thank you. Awesome. We have three more questions going down. Um, so question number seven is, how have historical events and movements influenced your leadership style? Um, probably all, you know, just looking at historic, um, everything that's happened in history in the field of education, um, I feel like it started from a beginning of, um, we've always been really, uh, a big on what does education look like in the black community and through the years I've I've been able to just research read experience you know the differences that it takes to be able to create that um, environment where everyone feels comfortable with education and so when it comes to leadership in the educational world um, it's important for uh, black people to come together and for us to hear each other out. Um, and I think, uh, so I think that's been a big piece of, of this is just uh, bringing that conversation together and then welcoming everyone else into the conversation. Uh, I know I've always been a person that engaged in book studies. Uh, book studies were really good, uh, I believe, for um us to to look at the facts and go into that conversation i'm sorry dr trinity it's it's kind of cutting out a little bit oh, okay hold on one second okay okay could you repeat the question shane uh i'm sorry would 
Yeah, I'm sorry. It cut out a little bit. Okay. Could you repeat the question? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, the question was, how have historical events and movements influenced your leadership style? Okay. I just wanted to make sure it covered. Um, so I think just looking at the history of education, um, it's important, I think, for leadership style because of the nuances, <laughs> uh, like because we're trying to increase the number of Black teachers, because we are trying to, you know, get more Black people to want to come into education. I think that's in, my leadership style has changed a lot to be able to make everyone feel inclusive. Um, um, to help remove some of the barriers to make everyone feel like this is the area for them. Um, so I just believe that it's about some of the historical pieces, like the move to integration, we lost a lot of Black teachers. I feel like there's a, kind of going back to the last question, there's something about um, going back and supporting and, and being a, a supporter of the race to help get that back. You know, I think thinking of all those historic pieces where we have a lot of Black students in school and I feel like education and their the motivation for education isn't the same as other students makes it really important to try to figure out how to be a leader in this space. So I think this is, historical pieces have made a big impact on what we're doing today. There, there would be no Cornell or block or teachers like me and some of these organizations center for black educators without some of the historical pieces that happened before us did we lose shane sean seems to have been gone he's gone missing but hopefully he should be back in a few minutes it maybe it was might have been his speaker or mine i'll just try and send him a message and see where he's gone and what happened Hi there, Dr. Davis. I'm, I'm Tim. I work with the Angel Protocol team um, and was uh, also an educator in, in the UK. So it's, um, it's really interesting to, to hear that the experiences that, that, you've, um, uh, that you've had. I'm, I'm not sure what's happened to, to Sean. Um, and I think well, I was going to say I could probably pull up the questions and continue to go through those. That would be great. I don't have a copy of the questions, so if if you if you I would, that would be great. And then um, I can always like ad lib. You know, once a teacher, always a teacher. You can always um, ad lib and and fill fill lots of space with words. But um, I think you, I think okay. your words would be much better than mine. So yeah, yeah, please do carry on. And I think Sean might join us. It's probably an internet, just an internet connection thing. You know how the internet is. Yep, I think so. Yeah, no worries. All right. Yeah. Back to you. So um, I'm going to hit the um, number eight was talking about, can you tell us about local leaders who were important to you and what they approved up on? Um, I would say um, just as far as local leaders, I would start with um, my mother um, who was part of different organizations that really helped out the community and the black community in the small town that I grew up in in Kansas. Um, she, I saw them come together to meet, to plan scholarships, to look at, um, students' GPAs and determine who was, who all could get these different scholarships that they had raised money for and done events for throughout the years. Like, it really taught me that education was important and that leaders in that space were important. Um, and so I think just, just, um, seeing uh, my mother as a leader first 
like I always thought to myself, like, what made me want to always do some of these things and and get into this? I think seeing her um, lead from a young age made a difference. <clears throat> I would also say um, some of the local leaders um, in just in the community where I work now in Kansas City, um, it was prominent when I first uh, moved into Kansas City the second time. Um, as a, a person that worked in the Kansas City Public School District, it was really prominent to see Dr. Bedell. He was a superintendent that came in while I was there. Um, just, you know, kind of looking at him, we were the same age and seeing the moves he made, how he really listened to the public. That was important for me to see. And um, the one thing that I think made a difference that helped me to improve upon my practice was, um, you know, leaders like to make a lot of decisions, but when you're in a school system, you need to hear from kids first. And so I always, I have a, I have students on my advisory council. They are the best ones to determine what, who's a good teacher. Right. So I keep them on those kind of committees. Um, so I think the thing that they've improved upon with me and made a difference in is starting to hear more student voice. But um, just the the local leaders I feel around the community are important. Um, I'm friends with a lot of people, the superintendent or the interim superintendent in the district, um, superintendents and assistant superintendents all over, professors, deans in the community. All of us are striving for the same thing, to improve our community and through education. And so I think that part is really important. I, I noticed that you mentioned the the, um, the students as well. Do you, um, this is this isn't one of your questions. I'm sorry. As I say, once a teacher, always a teacher. You always um, you always have more to say. Um, how, how do you? How I mean, where do you where do you see students with regards to leadership as well? Do you think students can be leaders, or do you think that you know how how does how does that fit in? Does does leadership start like it's seven years old, or is it something that that is grown into? How does how does that work? I, I, I believe leadership starts young. Like I've done everything. I'll be honest from a teacher. <laughs> so I taught first grade first, right? For that, you guys are. Sorry, just cut out again there, I think, Trinity. Sad to say in, in our education um, realm, I think one of the things that we've done is we um, um, probably spoon feed and give too much information to kids. And I have to be, even as a parent, it's still a challenge to me. You know, I have my last um, kid at home and my husband has to say a lot of times, nope, nope, you don't, you know. So I get it and I get where parents are coming from and that that, that spills over into the school, but we have to start them out early. It's to their benefit. And so I love seeing those things. And I love seeing um, our students in our pro program lead things for everyone else. They get, they're excited, you know? And so I just think that's important to start letting them experience that earlier. Thanks. I'll pass, I'll pass back over to, to, to Sean now. Um, I, is, I always have great admiration for anybody who can teach kindergarten or grade one as I was, uh, I was, uh, you know, taught the teenagers, um, kindergarten and grade one you always have my utmost imagine uh, utmost uh, admiration anyway back to sean thank you for that question tim that was a good one thank you 
Awesome. Thank you. And, and thank you, Tim, for covering for me. I apologize. I was I was talking into the ether. It was me the whole time. So sorry for that, Trinity. <laughs> I didn't realize I disconnected. I'm so sorry. Um, wonderful. And I, I don't know if you covered the uh, next question, but I, I think where we left off um, was in how historical events have influenced your leadership style. Um, and then I think the like the follow up question to that was, can you tell us about local leaders who are important to you and what they improved upon? And I think um, I, I answered that, but I'll rehash this to say that, um, okay. you know, I still say, you know, my mother was probably um, we're from this area was just one that that was involved in a lot of organizations that were always about trying to make the community better. And I think it not um i don't think she meant to send that off to me but i think it just kind of seeped into my being mm -hmm. you know um after um seeing that for so long it took me a while to realize that that had a that made an impact on me but i also just think about um the fact of um superintendents the the university people the clergy of kansas city all of these people are so impactful um I'm in groups where I'm meeting with people all over the community that honestly, if I was working in certain um, positions, I probably wouldn't meet all of these people. So it's really nice to be in the nonprofit sector where you can see where we can all work together. So there are so many local leaders like I don't I like I just met with six of them yesterday. All of us have the same move in mind and we can all connect. It's all about making the community and community better. So I just feel like that impact has really been strong, um, you know, for, for not only me moving forward, but knowing that I'm not alone in this work is huge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah, wonderful answer. And I think it like, coming back to that coalition and kind of taking care of like your own health and understanding your boundaries and how powerful it can be when you are a part of like that network. Um, and like the opportunities that present themselves in the nonprofit ecosystem in the work that you do in Kansas City. That's awesome. Um, great. We actually have one last question. Um, so so rounding it up here in terms of what advice do you have for people who want to become leaders in their communities? Um, I think the most important thing is before you. Um, so I'm learning a lot about like the nonprofit work and 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 part of the work uh, that I feel is important is that what nonprofit work does is fill in the, the spaces and the gaps to support the institutions that already exist. So, um, so I work to support the universities. I work to support the school districts around us. And I have a, a way of being able to grab that funding, grab those things to be able to offer things to the people we all serve, right? So I think the first thing is to as if you're going to move into this space, um, you need to figure out what the people actually want, what the people actually need before you start deciding and creating a program based on, uh, you know, what you think they want, what you think they need. And then I think my next um, advice would be to definitely um, look into uh how to plan strategically. So, you know, getting a strategic plan actually want to, you, you know, it's one thing to look at um, the, the, the impact you want to make, but measure that. 
in order for and then think about ways for any kind of thing that you're doing to be sustainable so you don't want a one and done we have really good ideas that we that people and organizations tried it made an impact and then we're like where did they go what happened to that you know um make sure it's sustainable it can't live on grants and funding and everything forever we we appreciate that but how can you have those kind of things in place it's important for that and so i just think um you know as thinking about this and then find a thought partner <laughs> i would like if if it wasn't for the Cornells and for the different people, the Larishas to come together. And sometimes when you're stuck to help, that's important. And, you know, just to have that, that piece there, but just to surround yourself with a good structure. If you're a nonprofit, you need a really good board that holds you accountable and makes you think and helps you to get things in place. So I would give like, that is, as a new person that's entering this this area, it's been almost three years for us now. Um, I think the success is based on having a plan, finding people to support the plan, and then going in and implementing the plan. But making sure you have the people you serve be part of the uh, be part of the plan, you know, and that their voice is heard, and that's where you're getting your feedback every year. It's wonderful. Um, this question is great because we are getting like exceptional playbook answers. <laughs> so thank you for that. I think that's like so well structured in terms of first, like making sure the solution is what people actually want and need. Right. So no assumptions and like a really ground up design process. Then you talked about quantifiable strategic plan, sustainability, and then thought partners. So whether that's creating a really good board or just within your broader ecosystem and not having people to bounce ideas off of. Um, that's wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much. And um, that, that brings us to the end of the discussion today. Um, so really, uh, again, like super appreciative of your time today, Trinity, and, and for your representation of, of teachers like me and the work that you do every day in Kansas City. Um, again, this is an, an active crowd funder. Um, so if you're interested, you can go to app.angelgiving.io to find um, teachers like me's profile or blackhistorymonth.angelgiving.io as well, where you'll see the, the four organizations that we're spotlighting um, this month. Um, but again, Trinity, thank you. Thank you so much. I think you, you gave so many um, really great um, gems of wisdom in terms of your leadership and your approach and, and how that actually impacts the day-to-day -day of, of teachers like me. So thank you again. Thank you for having me. I appreciate this platform and appreciate all that you are doing. And again, um, just to give one final shout out is we do build teacher housing. And so that's a really um, big takeover. And I think that we're going to uh, create the model of how we could do this across the United States in the future. I feel real promising about that. So um, any information that anyone wants to receive on that, they can really, they can contact us at our website. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, wonderful. Take care. Thank you everyone for, for tuning in. Have a great day. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Angel Protocol, Black Leadership with Teachers Like Me, featuring Trinity Davis. Recorded on Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening.
if you want to keep listening, head on over to terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support now. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pay, checking that replay, sing along and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap? But in this reality, the money comes from doing shows, but then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on Cameo, I've been asking all my friends if I can rap on the patio. Six feet, motherfucker, step the fuck back. Doing a little magic, pulling rabbits out the rucksack. Not everybody's always in it for the money. Looking like another crooked Sunday and I'm working Monday. So you know I ain't stressing, left debating great methods. Amazed to play Inception, the base stay blessed. See, even with these huge sums of overall royalties, huge sums of money that go to the record label per playback can seem insultingly small. Many rights holders are making around three quarters of a How to turn a profit, their future will always be in question. But for now, investors see enough potential to continue to fund pennies, 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 Another day, another lesson. Living in the eighth dimension might be worth a little mention. Living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel. Reeling in another sucker fish out to make a deal just to make a motherfucker wish. Aw, shit, now you only got two left. You know what I wish? We didn't have any loose ends. You know what I miss? Listening to excuses. Now we're on the fence like we forgot how to choose. That's what happens when people don't know what's true In the dark eating bullshit up like a mushroom In the lunchroom just trying to laugh it off Meanwhile foaming at the mouth like a rabid dog Like a fake mate and call at the zoo It's looking like the view is getting disappointed too I'm working on the new shit, trying to produce it It's what I'm willing to go through when I'm making my music Terror Spaces.